0: I sort of strayed into some territory last week uh, in the sermon. That um, uh, towards the end of the sermon, they are talking about about our um, about our role as Christians following the way of wisdom. And uh, I had mentioned that Jesus, uh, of course, is the greatest of the wisdom teachers of the Scripture. And um, uh, that's no there that should be no surprise to any of you. But uh, when I spoke about that, I uh, I spoke about Jesus' main message, um, one of his main messages. He came to preach that the kingdom of God was at hand. The kingdom of God has come and is amongst us. and uh, And I took that uh, and spoke about something that's been, you know, sort of pressing on my own mind uh, with regard to with regard to our um, our view of. Politics perhaps and and how we respond to a uh, cultural ideology uh, that is very very um, different from ours and offensive to many Christians um, and I, I spoke about uh, about how Jesus came to essentially free us from the the earthly trappings of our our national identities, where where we fit into this world in terms of our citizenship on a world's uh, in, in the world's eye, and um, and I sort of strayed into some territory there by using the word nationalist, and uh, didn't realize uh, perhaps exactly how um, nuanced that word is after the uh, uh, well, I think in 2018 it was a uh, it was a. Um, a big hot topic because the president of the United States at that time uh, made an open declaration that he was nationalist, and uh, and then it, it morphed into a into political discussion in many many different um, uh, on many different platforms about what that actually means and so forth. And in my uh, in my sermon last week, I strayed into that territory unwittingly. I uh, and I uh, I just want to clarify um, as we get into this morning's message that. I really I hope to avoid um, political division from this pulpit uh, because i 'm not looking to stand for one political uh, uh, party uh, over against another. Uh, I do want to stand firm on what I believe are our Christian ethics and uh, and as far as as biblical morality is concerned, part of why i 'm teaching this. Series on the ancient way is to bring us back uh, to the, the 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 path that leads to life, with regard to um, uh, with regard to how we live out our Christian our Christian walk our Christian uh, uh, living. So, <clears throat> so with that in mind, um, you know I I want to stand firm on on issues that are troubling our generation. But I don't want it to turn into a political campaign. And I don't want it to morph in anybody's mind uh, into that. So, to clarify what I said last week, Jesus has come not to teach us to choose one party over another. But Jesus has come to teach us that there is a higher kingdom to which we belong. We are citizens of a higher kingdom, and that is our chief objective uh, to the exclusion, in many cases, of all else. And, uh, and I think it, it is uh, a beautiful thing that Living Hope Family Church is so, um, so beautifully uh, woven together as a tapestry by the Lord. Over the years that we've been here, we've had so many ethnicities and And nationalities represented here in the church and internationals that have come through and been a part of this church you've had international pastors and ministers in the church from the beginning and there's just been this beautiful this beautiful flow uh, of um, just a bigger vision, a bigger vision that unites us as citizens of god's kingdom not not just proud Americans but Humble Christians, and uh, and I love that, and I think that that's that's a um, I think that's a, a beautiful a beautiful demonstration of what God wants to do in some in some ways like a microcosm what God wants to do with the kingdom in our region, and uh, and I pray that uh, that somehow in this strange culture in which we live, when we're trying to figure out what what exactly does America stand for it, and are, you know, are we proud to be Americans, and, and so forth. I pray that we can get, that we can get beyond that. It, it is important, because we live here, to be involved and engaged in our current society, wherever it is that we are. But I believe that God has called us to something so much bigger and so much greater, a vision that is so much greater than a great America, if that makes sense. And uh, yet, at the same time, we want to pray that god'll m- m- let revival come to his church and uh, and sweep across the nation and i I stand in solidarity with those prayers, oh Lord, let revival come and i and i I stand with hopeful expectation that the Lord'll do something here in cape cod that'll that'll stretch across the bridges and through the surrounding counties, and maybe God'll take it from there and and, and spark fires everywhere. I pray that he does that from California this way and from Florida north and, and, and Texas and from, and from the northern states, Michigan and Minnesota, and, 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 uh, and those bring it south. And I pray that this will be a giant conflagration of the fire of God's presence in our, in our midst and that America will take her stand in, in the world as, a, as a, a nation full of Christians who love Jesus enough to give themselves away. For the sake of a world that does not yet know. Um, but uh, I fear uh, in my accidental wandering into that um, that uh, it was a little more political than I wanted it to be and so I offer my, I offer my, uh, my apologies for that. I stand firm with the concept but I don't want to uh, alienate people because of misunderstanding over something that I said. So I encourage you, I want to just uh, invite you as congregation members, uh, if something is preached from this pulpit and it sits wrong in your heart, please come and talk to me. And uh, let's, let's wrestle through it because uh, I am imperfect and, uh, and sometimes uh, trip over my own words. And sometimes uh, I may be used by the Lord to speak a word that brings challenge to your heart And maybe you need a little more than just the passing thought on a Sunday morning, but maybe you need a little more time to sit with it and wrestle with it. And and I encourage that and invite that. And uh, and I think in the dialogue, if we're able to talk things through together, that makes for a healthy body of Christ. I'm I'm not the only teacher in this congregation. I'm one of many. Uh, I do have the pulpit more often than everybody else, but but this is a place where we, we, we work together. We process through these things together to find the way of God and the will of God. Does that make sense? So I'm inviting that as the culture of the church. And uh, if we don't have opportunity for that on Sunday morning, please know you do have opportunity for that all other days of the week. Um, send me an, an email, uh, pastor at com, Say, hey, let's talk about this or that. And uh, and I, I cherish those um, uh, loving interactions, even if they are... Um, you know, if your ideas and my ideas don't match, I want to know, and I want to work with you towards uh, towards unity, that the Lord may do His work in our midst, because the brethren are together in unity. So, there's that. Okay, are you guys okay today? You guys, all right. It's a bit serious in here, and uh, sorry about that. Maybe I should tell a joke, right? I haven't heard any good jokes recently, so only corny jokes. I won't won't bore you with corny dad jokes uh, here, but um, we could use a good joke once in a while. The joy of the Lord is our strength after all, right? (laughs) Um, So we've been talking about the ancient way, and uh, and I've been spending quite a lot of time uh, really uh, trying to navigate through this um because the uh, the biggest issues uh, of our world are really they really trouble me the 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 um the issues that uh, that are just right in our forefront uh, today are uh, the issues of transgenderism and um, <clears throat> you know the abortion issues uh, still a hot topic uh, even though um it was hotter earlier in the summer and uh, but it's still a hot topic and um and then of course the uh, uh, there, there are others, uh, but these things are, are major clashes for us, and our, our Christian identity is being challenged. And um, and so I'm trying to trying to navigate through that. How do we how do we how do we live in this world with such big issues in our face? And um, and I keep coming back to this thing that as long as we keep Jesus front and center, I think we'll navigate through these shallow waters really well. If we start making the issues themselves our only focus, uh, then it turns out we'll probably end up in uh, running aground somewhere. So we've got to keep Jesus right in the middle, and, uh, and we've got to keep looking to him, uh, the author and the finisher of our faith. This current generation is not a surprise to him. Uh, he knew it was coming. And, uh, and he planned it. And there are good things about this current generation that are going to be really amazing as we look at salvation history. We'll look back on these days and say, wow, look what, what God did in the midst of such darkness. It's really, really amazing. But um, as far as the church is concerned, we have, uh, wow, what a strange what a strange season it's been. COVID was, was, was weird. And uh, the church is still empty post-COVID uh, in many places. And... Um, and people are trying to figure it out. How do we get back? And, and many things were uncovered and revealed during that time, with the, the, the motivations of our heart and the, the needs of people that were not being met, that need to be met. And, um, and as we come out of this and try and figure our way in this strange new world, uh, I am drawn to the words of Jesus in Revelation chapter 2. Just can't seem to get away from it, and uh, Ephesus, the church in Ephesus, um, and uh, and I want to read to you these words today. That the, the ancient way that we're following today is the way of love, the way of love, and it's a more ancient way. Uh, there's there is a. Uh, <laughs> if I'm going to use my little metaphor of the way, there are paths that have been walked for generations by our, our forefathers, but just because they've been walked for generations doesn't mean that they are the right road, doesn't mean that they are the right way for us to follow. There is an ancient way, which is the ancient way, and we want to return to that. We want to find our way and navigate our way to that and walk that, because that's going to bring us to the very throne room of God. And, um, and so uh, we'll be taking a look at to what Jesus said in in Matthew chapter five in just a minute, but um, here are Jesus's words to the church in ephesus who were who were going through uh, a very interesting season for them as well and um, the church was uh, was was standing strong against against false doctrine they were discerning they were they were um, uh, They were committed and dedicated and even able to endure through hardship. But listen to what Jesus says to them. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. In other words, the one who's in the center of the church. okay? The one who is walking through the midst of this. He's the, he's the one who is in charge of his church. I know your works. Your toil, your patient endurance. Listen to those things: works, toil, patient endurance. This church is working hard; they are committed; they are enduring. And how you cannot bear with those who are evil. There is a strong stand against evil. Strong stand against the shifting cultures of the of, of and the tides of 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 of, uh, of culture standing strong, not bearing with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. The discernment has gone, not just discerning what's good and evil in the world, but even in the church, recognizing that there are some messages that are just they are bad, bad for, 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 for the, the longevity of, of, of believers. People put their faith in that message and only find out later when, uh, when the storms come that they were building their foundation on the sand. And so this church in Ephesus has discerned who is an apostle, who is not, who is speaking the true message from God and who is not. So they're discerning, they're wise, they're committed. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. So far, this church sounds amazing, doesn't it? They're not even weary in the toil. Listen, I've been pastoring here at Living Hope Family Church for well, in November, uh, no, Thanksgiving, it'll actually be twenty years. So um, it was the f- it was my first arrival at Living Hope Family Church it was Thanksgiving of uh, two thousand and two, uh, and so this marks the end of the twentieth year of my being here. And uh, can I tell you the honest truth? I have often gotten weary. <laughs> often gotten weary of doing, doing well. And so have you. Many of you sitting in the pew today saying, oh, I'm just so glad we managed to get through another week. You know, you're not really sitting there feeling, oh, I'm empowered to move on to the next week from here. But, uh, but this church in Ephesus, man, they haven't gotten weary. I don't know how they did it. Wish I knew their secret. But uh, wow, what an amazing testimony about their, about their, their, their works. But this... I have against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first. You know I I read that verse again last night and I thought about it. For some reason in my mind when I remember that scripture I remember it as you have forgotten your first love. Have you guys also heard that before? You've forgotten your first love. I don't know if that's from a translation in the New International Version, or if it's maybe some translation of the Bible that I read somewhere else. You have forgotten your first love, but it's it's actually it's not the word forgotten. They haven't forgotten their first love at all. They've abandoned their first love. That's a very different story. What what's happened to these guys is that they have moved on. They've they've the word here used. Um, Afiemi is actually, um, it's used in some context as divorce. Uh, it, it means to, to forsake. It means to choose something better, to upgrade. Uh, obviously, that's not a Greek word, but to, to, um, to, to move beyond something because, you know what, that was then, this is now, we've, we've evolved. We've, we've, we've grown stronger and better. That is not the way we do business anymore. You have abandoned purposefully abandoned your first love and uh, let's just finish reading what Jesus has to say remember therefore from where you have fallen repent and do the works you did at first if not I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent I'm not going to go on to the part about the Nicolaitans and what he says in the end to those who overcome but I just want to hear the the the, the gravity of what Jesus is saying saying if you don't repent and recover Uh, in return to that uh, first love, then I'm actually going to remove your lampstand. I'm going to take away your role as a church. That's incredibly harsh judgment, don't you think? Seems to be, in my opinion, way too harsh of a judgment for a church that's doing so well in every other respect. I mean, if I was, if I was to, to write out on a page what I would really love to say, okay, a health check for Living Hope Family Church, if we can do all these things, we're going to be in a really great place. And we, as a church, are really good with doctrinal uh, issues and we can and we can clearly define what is orthodoxy and what is not. If we can, if we can, uh, we have all the dogma in place. We have, you know, our, our um, if, if we were to have our, uh, our our service tightened up and our and our and our works out in the community tightened up, and we were doing good works all around and and, and not growing weary of doing those good works. If I could say that, I'd say, mm, man, we're doing great as a church. But apparently, this love issue, this first love issue that they've abandoned, that they've moved on from, is so important to Jesus that all the rest of that that they're doing is actually, he considers it to be detrimental to the point where he would remove it because the, the, the bright light of the torch that was lit in their midst has gone out. And all that effort, all that work that they're doing is actually detrimental to the kingdom of God if love is not in the midst of it. And so I had to think about us as a current generation and the church in this generation where, especially with this, this issue that, um, I mean, I, I was reading a, a blog uh, from a Christian um, leader uh, down south who was admonishing the young people who, in the south amongst whom it is now currently really in vogue to make a solid stand for your Christian faith. To be, to be able to show everybody that you won't bow your knee to the idols of Nebuchadnezzar. Now you'd say, well, that sounds good, right? That sounds the way it ought to be. But, but what it's translating into is people using vitriol and and uh, and standing argumentatively and angrily on social media platforms uh, to just prove that they they've you know. Prove to their other Christian friends that I won't bow. I'm I'm, I'm a good Christian, and uh, what that results in is um, just poking, uh, particularly on social media, poking at at uh, things that you uh, you have no you have no relationship with a person who's writing these things. Whatever you just you just throw out a poke. And uh, I mean, look, Doug Brown and I were talking about this last week. Doug actually had a pretty good poke uh, for somebody online, and and, uh, and and Doug and I were, you know, we were laughing at that because it was it was appropriate, and you know, Doug was poking it out there. But the problem with it is, of course, and Doug and I, we never got to finish this conversation. So I'll just bring it out and air the dirty laundry here in the whole congregation, Doug. Um, Doug Doug and I both felt the same urgency to like, and we need to say something to that. You know, that was whatever whoever posted that. There needs to be some, there needs to be some alternative narrative to that right there. And uh, and Doug was like, ah, yeah, he did it, and um, and I was so proud of Doug for that. But at the same time, there's no actual relationship between Doug and the individual who posted that. There's also no relationship between Doug and the people who are going to read that post, and so it's already at arm's length from reality, isn't it? And um, and it's not necessarily the thing you would say to that individual if you could actually see them. If you were sitting in the same room with that person and, and having that conversation with them, there might be a little more nuance in the way that you, <laughs> you know. I mean, it's true. Sometimes it's nice to be able to make a little quip and, and, and retreat, you know, behind your wall, um, knowing that the quip's out there and it's going to do its damage and, you, you know, you can get away with it. But... But the problem with all of that is that it breeds in us a false sense of bravery. And it sounds a little bit like the Ephesian church. They could tell the difference between a real apostle and a false apostle. And they didn't tolerate the false apostles. So they, these guys were like, no, man, we, we can keep the gate. They're good warriors. But something's missing. Something's missing. I'm not saying that, Doug, you shouldn't You shouldn't post stuff like that, my friend. Uh, you've got to be led by the Holy Spirit. But the big challenge is what's the motivation behind it all? And if you can answer the question about the motivation and say, that's really the Spirit of the Lord motivating me to do that, then you need to follow the Holy Spirit uh, into that place. But it, it is a... Um, it is a tragedy that bravado, false bravado, is arising amongst a generation in the South. It's very different from the from the North. You know, there's a lot of Christians, a lot more Christians down there. People attending church, and they want to prove themselves to their youth group friends that they won't bow their knee because that would be bad. But it's not real. It's not real, and uh, and it's not motivated by love. So how do we? <laughs> well, how do we? Uh, how do we restore that first love? How do we come back to that place where what motivates us all along, in every conversation with every person, in every in every declaration of some new, you know, some new procedure or policy? We do need procedure, procedures and policies. I get it. But in every declaration of the new ones that we establish, is love manifested? Is love manifested? And is that the primary motivation? And the first love, is that a love for Jesus? Is it a love for his people? Is it all of the above? I wonder what the Ephesian church looked like on day one when they were growing leaps and bounds. The Holy Spirit was at work amongst them. They were speaking in tongues and exercising the gifts of the Holy Spirit in that context. but By the time you reach here, they're, they're, they're really organized, you know. I wonder if maybe there was a spontaneity, I, mean, I don't know, I, I, I honestly can't make this argument, it's not written for me, but I wonder. I see the trend in, in my own life, I see, you know, in my early years being totally on fire for Jesus and, and totally okay with messy Christianity at the same time yearning for uh, a little more structure. I, I see the progression of my life from, from that into you know my role as a pastor, feeling like I'm the gatekeeper. I've got to make sure everything's where it ought to be and make sure that there's you know, stuff doesn't get in here that shouldn't be in here, and I've got to address that, and if I offend this person, I'm so sorry, but I've got to you know, stick with this because we don't want that as a wide open gate. I don't know, there's just a lot of control. And, um, and I wonder, how that affects the realm of first love. You know? The question is, are we as eager to talk to somebody about Jesus as we are to stop them in their tracks from saying something that offends us? Are, are we as eager to share the gospel with that transgender person as we are to stand and say they can't teach our children what sexuality ought to look like? in kindergarten I feel the I feel the weightiness of this issue right now and I'm sure you guys do too but I can't help but see that the pathway to life leads through this crazy valley to a solid steady climb and uh, and it involves first love as the more ancient way. So I want to turn to um, to Mark chapter. Uh, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter five, and I want to notice something in the text here, if that's okay. Um, Matthew chapter five is Jesus' sermon on the mount, and uh, and there's a couple of things that that pop out uh, here today for me that are. Um, and you know, help me make my point. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, and verse 21, You have heard it said uh, to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, You fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Uh, Priority. The priority that Jesus suggests in the temple, in giving your worship to the Lord, is that it is more important to God that you reconcile with your brother than you bring a gift to God. That is quite intense. That's quite intense. Hear the words of Jesus. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. But I say to you. Let's take a look further down and, uh, in verse 27. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. Who's I? For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. What, what members? Is Members of the church? No, no, one of your own members, a member of your, your personal body. In other words, it's better that you suffer personal loss. Not better that you eliminate from your membership role at the church somebody who's causing you to stumble. No, no, this is a personal... This is not about bringing judgment in the church. This is about individual responsibility before God for the issues of our own heart. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it's better for you to lose one of your members than your whole body to go into hell. There's a (laughs) Wow, what an intense way. But hear the words of the Lord. You have heard that it was said, but I say to you, there's a more ancient way than the one you've heard about. Anything more than this comes from evil. Wow. You've heard it said, but I say to you. Anything more than this comes from evil. Wow. Yes or no, that's it. Not elaborate answers, not big fancy arguments, just elaborate stuff, push it aside and say yes or no, and let that be, let that be. There's a more ancient way. I don't need to preach a sermon about what that all means. You can just hear the words of the Lord in your own heart and you know this is a higher calling. This is a higher calling than finding out uh, and defining clearly what's right and what's wrong. This is, yes, you've defined what's right and wrong, but you are going to go way beyond and exceed by far the expectation of what is right and righteous and what your rights are as a Christian or as an individual. You're going to go far beyond that and you are going to love with the kind of love that allows somebody to take advantage of your situation because in doing so you are inviting God and a supernatural response into whatever circumstance it is that you're at. How does that affect us when it comes to the issues that we are dealing with in our culture? I don't think Jesus tells us not to resist the evil in that regard. I think there are times when we do resist evil. I mean, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. There are definitely times when we are to resist the evil. But there is, there is a love which has to supersede all of, our, all of our, uh, our discernment. Yes, we must be discerning, but discernment is not the end goal. Love from pure heart. This is the end goal. How do we do that? I don't know. But I do know that uh, it's a challenge to something higher than what we've been taught, than the way our fathers and forefathers passed down to us. There's a higher way. The law of Moses that had been handed down, that Jesus was now actually superseding with these greater words had been handed down for generations and the people were proud of those laws and they were proud of identifying themselves by them and saying we are a moral people and in the absence of those morals they wanted to bring everybody back to those morals. Jesus says let's bring them back to a deeper set of morals. An older set of morals. A wiser set of morals. Let's take them back to the ancient way which is what? Well We'll find out. Jesus goes on to say, you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In this book, Stephen uh, McAlpine gives some really good practical things in the last three chapters of this book. He gives some really practical ways of the way that we can actually get out amongst the people that live around us who think differently to the way we do, and we can actually influence them uh, in a positive way, even though we're the bad guys, even though our Christianity is considered as worse than just being you know, obsolete. It's considered to be actually toxic. And... Um, and we can actually get out there by living righteous lives and by loving on people, even though we hold fast to the truth, especially because we hold fast to the truth, even though we are not budging from that uh, in terms of of moral issues, nevertheless we are we are just the fragrance of Christ everywhere we go because we permeate it with love of Christ and we're bringing that love of Christ into every situation. He gives practical answers on how we can actually do that so the um a friend of mine was uh, a friend of mine in London uh, was telling us the story. He said in his workplace, he works for American Express or uh, not American Express, uh, Bank of America, and uh, in uh, one of the um, uh, it, part of the, the corporate culture is uh, everybody has to be tolerant, and it's more than tolerant. There's this pro LGBTQ um, uh, uh, campaigns that they lead in the in the corporate world, and um, and th- they are creating safe spaces in their Uh, In their office uh, office uh, uh, environments, and uh, and so they uh, they require of their employees that they participate in fundraisers that are LGBTQ um, plus benefiting LGBTQ plus initiatives, and uh, and they have these requirements that they you know on a certain day of the week they they wear purple or you know to, to to show solidarity with this movement, and and anybody who doesn't can actually lose their job. If you refuse to participate, Uh, but they have voluntary things that are supposedly voluntary, and yet if it's if you don't participate in it, you get you know black mark, you get checked, and uh, and so uh, this friend of mine uh, was having to take a stand like like Daniel, and uh, and his approach to this was you know when. It was required of his particular unit that they participate in a uh, in, in a conversation and, and so forth. He went to the conversation and when it was uh, when they were allowed to offer their opinions, he bravely offered his opinion in all grace and with all love to say, "No, I don't think everybody in this department agrees with that. But even if they do, uh, I can't agree with that because that is, uh, you know, that I just that's not what I believe, and I'm I uh, I will not." I cannot participate in a fundraising effort that's going to raise funds for something that I don't believe in. Uh, but I am certainly happy to work alongside everybody, no matter what their thoughts are and beliefs are, uh, for the corporate sake. But this is an area in which I I cannot I cannot bow money. knee, and uh, and so uh, there are others that stood up because he uh, because he made that stand, and they said, you know, we actually agree with him, and. Um, and for the time being, it, it bought them some time to say, you know, we, as a corporate culture, this is supposed to be an open discussion, and we, we, this is that place where we're supposed to talk about it, so I'm going to talk about it. And he was brave enough, but he did it in the most beautiful, redeeming way, and as a result, won the heart of, uh, of his supervisors and, and his workmen, uh, the fellow, fellow workmen and, and, and women. And um, because, like Daniel, uh, he was not argumentative, angry, taking up a stand, picketing and so forth. But instead he said, no, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And if I have to lose my job over this, then so be it. I understand that that's your policy. So be it if I have to lose my job. But my relationship with God is more important to me than my, than my job. And my love for the Lord and his love for you is more important than my job. God will provide what I need and therefore I will stand strong in this place. But not, you know, paste. Uh, you know all kinds of uh, awful uh, you know, hate speech around his cubicle or, or fly a, you know, a, a, an anti-rainbow flag or something, you know, a rainbow flag with a, with a cross through it or something at his desk. No, he didn't need to make a display of his, in some way, some sort of arrogance that I'm strong enough, I don't have to take a stand. He just genuinely, out of the love of his heart, said no. And that was empowering to others around him. And uh, we are facing this more and more. I, I understand that I don't face it so much in the world that I'm in. My world is quite a lot of administration and I spend a lot of time in my basement. There's not a whole lot of people arguing with me in my basement, you know what I'm saying? And, um, but, but for some of you, this is a real thing. You face this on an everyday basis. You, you go to work alongside people who, uh, who are expecting something different of you. And the ideologies of the world have shifted to where your viewpoint is now not only unpopular, it's actually considered toxic. And I want to encourage you today that the way through that is love. Jesus teaches us a deeper way there in Matthew chapter 5. Just when you think that it's all about setting boundaries, he tells you the boundaries that you're setting aren't firm enough. (laughs) But the boundaries that you're setting are actually being set for other people, and I want you to set boundaries for yourself. He challenges us to a love that says, I'm going to live my life in a way that is blameless. Because the Holy Spirit is with me and empowers me to live a blameless life. And I'm going to establish that as the way through this. I'm going to live loving other people and blamelessly so that when they do accuse me, like they did Daniel, there is nothing that they can pin on me. The only thing they could pin on Daniel was that he prayed three times a day to his God. the only thing they could pin on him and that wasn't negative until they made a law that said nobody's going to pray for the next 30 days to anybody else except Darius the king right and so Daniel said Papa I will not stop praying to you and he opened his windows wide and knelt in front of his window and prayed openly three times a day as he had always done as was his habit he was in the habit of living a blameless life and if we live a blameless life in other words we're not posting weird things on social media that can be used against us, we're not, not shying away from important things, but we're not getting out there and being argumentative that could then be used against us and actually against the Lord and what we stand for. But in everything that we're doing, in every speech, in every action, we are We are applying the grace of God, we're seasoning it with the salt of God's Word. And the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, so that every interaction with every person, whether it's a student at school, or a teacher, or a person at the gas pump, or wherever they are, or maybe it's a a person in authority somewhere, with every interaction we're asking ourselves in that moment, Papa, how can we use this? How can we use this interaction to show the love of Christ? 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. I want the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives in supernatural ways. How many of you want that? I want to speak in tongues and prophesy. I want to have the gifts of miracles at work in our church. I want to see the Lord bringing the gifts of the word of knowledge. And people's lives transformed because God saw where they were and spoke it out in the middle of a meeting like this. Called them out and said, you, I see you. Here it is. Here's a word from me. Hold on to this. It will bring you hope. I want that. But even if we have all of that and we don't have love, Noisy gong, clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, I, if I know even how to navigate through this, and I'm, this is how we're going to do it. And we set up programs to teach us all how to do how it. If we do all of that, but we don't have love. If I have all faith as to remove mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. The ancient way, the most ancient way, is the way of love. It's what God has done. He walked that. Jesus came walking the way of love. You want to walk the way that Jesus did? Walk in love. Explore what that means. Paul gives us a little hint of it in the next few verses, and I'll end with these. They're very familiar to you, but here today, here today with fresh ears. But explore, what does love mean? What does love mean in my context? How do I do this? Maybe God does call you into politics. Maybe He does call call you to be one of those people who, who, who make decisions for a community. My friend Matt is the president of the town council and, uh, and I, I pray for him and we should pray for him because he makes, you know, it's, it's hard, it's, it's tough to kick against the goads and he's a wonderful Christian man who loves Jesus with all his heart and he's trying to make a difference in the political world around us. That's his calling, not mine, but I want to pray for him. He has decisions to make and he does need to know how to work in a political realm and, and to do it with the love of Christ. Maybe that's you, maybe you do have that responsibility. But that's not a responsibility that every person in the church is called to. We need to recognize that each one of us have one calling: to love the Lord our God with all our hearts soul, mind and strength, and to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Love never oh, I'm sorry love is <laughs> love is patient. and love is kind. Please be kind. Please be kind on Facebook. Or whatever else it is. I don't know what the social media platform is. It's, it's, I'm, I still have AOL, you know. <laughs> it's a true story, I do. Anyway, um, love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. Love is not rude. I will say this about Doug Brown: I was so blessed, actually. Doug, you were not rude in that uh, in that poke on Facebook at all. In fact, you were remarkably self-controlled, and I could sense, I could hear love in your statement. Uh, whether the other guy could or not, who knows? But Not everybody can see it when it's out there. You know what I mean? But you were not rude and you were not arrogant, and I like that. And I admonish you. Keep that. You know? It does not insist on its own way. Love does not insist on its own way. Just think about that from a political standpoint, would you? Do you think it flows over into that realm? That love doesn't insist on its own way? That's that's bad political advice. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for bad political advice. Love does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things, and love never fails. Oh Papa, as we think about you and your amazing love towards us, how can we not want to be like you? Your love is so intoxicating. It's changed our lives forever been transformed by this powerful love that we who were nothing and nobody have been called the sons and daughters of God we are your chosen people your special treasure your your peculiar people set apart royal priesthood holy nation oh what a love what amazing grace Papa, we ask that you would teach us how to see others like this through these eyes. I pray that you would stir up in our heart a love for the people around us. You've got a lot of work to do on that, Lord, because sometimes I'm just so angry. I think we all are. We feel violated and unsafe and... and Like our territory has been eroded away and and, uh, and yet, you love these people. You died for them. And you've left us here as a remnant in the midst of this land, so that we can shine the love and the light of Christ. Jesus help us, help us to learn how to love these people. How to love them with true love not permissive love, but brave love that speaks the truth and pays the price. I pray that we as a church would not be afraid of the cross. The cross that you carried and the one that we have to carry. I pray that you give courage to my brothers and sisters today in whatever it is that they're going to face this week. May they have the courage of the Lord, the strength of the Lord, the presence of mind, the presence of the Holy Spirit to guide them into all love, grace, and truth in their relationships with others. Lord, may they shine. May these people that are before me now, may they shine in every circumstance this week. Shine as those who are walking with Jesus. And if we walk imperfectly, then, oh God, protect us in our stumbling Provide for us through your forgiving grace. Lord, may our hearts be humble and may we be restored again. And may our stumblings not cause others to stumble. I pray that we would be effective as light shining in the midst of a dark and perverse generation. Let our first love be restored. I ask these things in your holy name. Amen.